Welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. To stay up to date with everything going on, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Embassy Irving. All right, so I have a very live announcement, like a very live announcement, okay? One live announcement that I want to make is that our Embassy City store is now live. Like, so... If you've been waiting for church merch, because some of y'all are like church merch fiends. Some of y'all are part of TC Nation. You be coming up in here with Transformation Church uh, merch on, and I don't, I'm not mad at you, but look now, you ain't in Tulsa. You're going to get you one of these shirts, and you're going to wear it, and you're going to represent, okay? And you can wear Mike on Monday, okay? I'm not mad. It's going to be Mike Todd Mondays, okay? It's going to be Embassy City Sundays, all right? Now, you see that little sweater off in the corner right there? That's about to, that one, right? I like that thing. It's got a bunch of worlds on it, and it says Embassy City, and that's going to be my uniform in the fall. So when you see me wearing that every week, don't get mad. I just have, like, five of them. Okay, and while I'm wearing one, the other one's in the wash. I love that thing right there. That, I told, I told um, Marcus Kenny, who's our creative director, when that sweater comes out, my blazer is going to be hung up. I love that sweater. I cannot That's a big deal, right? No blazer, sweaters. In the fall, it's appropriate. God is good. Okay, so um, so the store is live. If you want something, get it. Some of that stuff is limited. So when it's gone, it's gone. Um, And those people are really, they're really attractive people. Do they go here or that's just like stock people? Some people don't go to our church. I ain't seen these people before in my life. <laughs> Who is that with our hat on? Who is that with that sweater on? Hey, dude, I want my sweater back. I, I get the distinct privilege of introducing everyone both here and there uh, to one of my dearest friends. And he, even though he was here two weeks ago, uh, I'm still about to introduce him like you didn't just hear him. Uh, Dan Leanne is one of... Uh, the most gifted communicators um, in the body of Christ, point blank period. Uh, His ability to take scripture off the text and apply it to parts of your hearts and souls so that you can be strengthened in your faith in Jesus uh, is literally why he has been taken around the world. Above his ability to speak, I just love who the man is. He is a man that is faithful to God personally and publicly. He's been faithful to Krista. He's been faithful to his children. And he's been a faithful friend to me. We met on the other side of the world in Australia at a youth camp just preaching off of each other. When he sat down, I got up, and when I sat down, he had to get up. And we just formed this bond that has literally just transcended distance. And then God just saw it fit to move him from Australia to South Carolina. Just the fact that he's stateside just makes me happy. That an Asian man who was born in Australia now lives in South Carolina... (laughs) Wait till you hear his accent. (laughs) So I want everyone to stand to your feet and lose your minds clapping for my friend, Dan Leanne! 
Thank you so much for that kind welcome. You all can grab your seats. Wow. Um, what a beautiful reflection Pastor Tim just brought. Um, Jesus goes up, the Holy Spirit comes down, and everything changes. And Tim was uh, being overly generous in talking about my position and place within the pantheon of communicators on planet Earth right now. Um, But he was accurate in saying that God put it in my spirit to just bring an encouraging word this morning. Is that okay? And I know it's going to be encouraging because when Jesus went up, 50 days later, physically the Holy Spirit came down. And because the Holy Spirit came down, that means that someone in this room right now who's feeling discouraged can feel encouragement from the parakletos. The one who comes to walk alongside you, to jog alongside you, to run alongside you and to speak encouragement deep into your soul. There are some people sitting here this morning or watching online who are feeling hurt. We live in a frustrating season of time. Vitriol permeates culture. And we're sitting here right now with our soul with its arms folded and we're We're resistant, but because Jesus went up, the Holy Spirit comes down and he deals with you in your most painful spaces gently. Because Jesus went up, the Holy Spirit comes down and there are some people here sitting this morning or watching online who are far away from King Jesus. You think you've done too much wrong. You think you're a million miles away. Your hands are stained and your soul is marred as your memory is scarred with the things that you've done and you think that God has his back turned on you. Nothing can be further from the truth and the Holy Spirit is going to correct that lie as he draws someone who is far away to himself. Because Jesus went up, the Holy Spirit came down. And everything changes. And because of that, we're going to delve into the Word of God and ask the Spirit of God to be an encourager this morning. Suffice to say, I love Pastor Tim and Juliet with all of my heart. The Gold Coast made us friends, but the Holy Spirit made us brothers. And I'm so grateful for one of the the most amazing leaders and overseers on planet Earth right now, being here, building a gorgeous, beautiful church. All the colors of the rainbow. We'd be singing in Spanish this morning. I'm telling you. And that is an extension of this kingdom nest that I aspire to as well. So thank you for leading a church like this uh, and being a friend that's invested so much into my journey um, as well. Um, This week I was walking around just experiencing creation, spending time with the Holy Spirit, which is um, basically the same as golfing, basically for me. That's what I was doing this week. I was golfing. And I wanted to bake up some fresh bread for this Sunday. 
And uh, as a part of that, I put in the podcast from last week. And so I'm just listening to last week's message, and I'm asking God, just give me a fresh word, you know, some good, fresh-baked bread, carb-free. This kind of, come on, this kind of bread going to leave you, come on, lighter in your spirit. And I felt the Holy Spirit start to uh, basically prove something and then bake something. And, and that's what we're going to present this morning. Some freshly baked bread from listening to Pastor Katie's message from last week. Yeah. And if you missed it, I encourage you to jump online and to catch up. It was a phenomenal message, so powerful, so prophetic. But as I was listening to the message, I couldn't help but wonder. As I was listening to this message about Hannah and how God was so faithful in keeping his promise and how, how Hannah responded correctly to this promise afforded to her, I couldn't help wonder how some people feel when they see themselves as the Hannah before they see their Samuel. I couldn't help but wonder how some people are responding when they're hearing about this beautiful promise that comes to pass, but they find themselves so far before the promise coming to pass. How does one who feels like Hannah, waiting for their promise, deal with the waiting? And so with this message this morning, hopes to engage in an encouraging way is this simple question, where is God and what is he up to while we are in the waiting? We trust that he will come through. He always does. But let's be real right now. We've all asked this question before. Where are you, God? while I'm waiting. Let me pray, and we'll jump into this simple, encouraging message. Father God, we love you. Jesus, we exalt you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Speak. Let us know where you are while we're waiting for you. Amen. I don't like waiting. It might be my ADHD, self-diagnosed, but I'm sure I've got it. (laughs) But I don't like waiting. I don't like waiting in a restaurant for a table. I don't like waiting at a TSA line. I don't like waiting for the two minutes while I'm sitting in those beautifully crafted Chick-fil-A drive throughs I don't like waiting at Disneyland, 75 minutes, 80 minutes, 90 minutes. I don't like waiting in Disneyland. And I especially don't like waiting on people. Come on, let's just name and shame the people around you right now. Come on, point to the people that you wait for most in your life right now. Come on, just point. There's a man that kind of just had no issue just throwing his wife under the bus. I just wait for her. 
I don't like waiting for people. I find it frustrating. If I'm here ready to roll, babe, you can be ready to roll as well. You know what I'm saying? I'm out in the shower, squirt, squirt, zip, zip, bang, I'm ready to go. She's like, bang, bang, like what? And I don't like waiting on those people who have like kind of a, a different clock than I have. You know what I'm saying? Are we all kind of operating with the same concept of seconds and minutes and hours? What I'm saying, the pickup is at 9 o'clock. Like, don't start getting ready at 9 o'clock. And then when we're sitting in the car rolling out to the airport, travel assistant of mine, don't be looking at me like I'm the one who was a problem. I don't like waiting. I find it frustrating. Are you frustrated at God? Seriously. Beyond our Sunday best and our pretty church smiles, let's get real. Are you frustrated at God? Because of the waiting you've experienced. You've been told that he's Jehovah Jireh. Clap, my provider, the God with cattle on a thousand hills. But you're still living paycheck to paycheck, waiting for your financial breakthrough. You're giving, you're sowing, you're tithing, you're doing everything right by the book, but it feels like instead of making ends meet, your ends are running away from one another, and you're frustrated knowing that God wants to provide for you and bring you into favor and blessing and a land of bounty, but you're waiting, and that waiting is becoming a frustration. Are you waiting for God to heal your marriage? Talk about a masterful work over a couple of months from the Reverend Dr. Bishop Timothy Ross. What a beautiful unpackaging revealing of biblical marriage. But I couldn't help but wonder what it feels like for someone to sit there and listen to that content but feel like their marriage is a million miles away from this beautiful picture artistically drawn by a wordsmith and a prophet. And you're praying and you're begging God, just God, move his heart. Come on, God, heal her heart. Do something here. I'm waiting for you to move, but still an impasse, no progression whatsoever. Are you frustrated at God? How about singleness? I'm here to declare once and for all to all of my single friends, you don't need anyone to complete me. You plus Jesus, come on, is more than enough. But that doesn't take away the sting of a Saturday night alone. And you know that that God has someone special in store for you. But you're getting to that point where you're kind of, you know what, I don't even need Mr. Right anymore. I settle for Mr. Close enough. (laughs) And you're frustrated. God. How about that ministry opportunity? 
You've been faithful all these years and you feel called to a place of influence and effect. And you've been serving away and just being so faithful and you've been told that the process is going to precede your promotion and all the alliteration in the world doesn't numb the fact that it hurts that you want to do something great for God, but it feels like you are doing menial things. It's frustrating in the way. How about that prodigal? That son, that daughter running in the other direction. You know that God loves them more than you do yourself. But why do they keep self-destructing at the rate that they're self-destructing? I'm waiting for you, God, to do something in his heart. I'm waiting for you, God, to do something in her soul. But it's so frustrating as I'm waiting. Infertility. Sickness. Addiction. This messed up wiring that we have in our heads, we know that you are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And I've seen the testimonies on the big screens. I just want to see mine. And I've passed that tipping point where hearing these stories build my faith. They just make me feel like a fool. Why am I left waiting? It's frustrating. Every Hannah who will receive a Samuel at some point in their journey and be afforded an opportunity to release this gift of grace back to the grace giver will go through a season where it feels like this promise is never going to come to pass. And it is important for us, dare I say, imperative for us as a faith community to understand where God is and what he's up to in the waiting. Because waiting is frustrating. And when frustration festers, it becomes resentment. And nothing creates unbridgeable space between two individuals like resentment. And that's the reason there are many people within Christendom who come along to church every single week. You sing the songs, you play the games, you hear the talks, you give people socially distant high fives as you leave the building. But the whole time there was a space between yourselves and God that came from resentment, that was birthed from frustration, that came from you not understanding where he is in the waiting. And that's the reason I love the Word of God. The Word of God is an archaic piece of literature from back in the day. The Word of God is a living, breathing conversation that God wants to have with us every day. That when we find ourselves, not if, when we find ourselves having a wrestle in our soul regarding these kinds of questions, we have a place to turn. So what I want to do in my remaining 17 minutes and 14 seconds with you? 
is I want to look at a story in the Bible about a time a couple of Jesus' friends found themselves waiting on him, got really frustrated with him, and more than seeing the outcome of this story, I want to reflect on this question, where is God in the waiting? And then I want to shape them into faith declarations. And then I'm going to dare you. Mm, I'm going to double dog dare you uh-huh. to take these declarations and apply them while you're waiting. Is that okay? That's good. That's and instead of frustration that becomes resentment, that creates division between yourselves and God, there would be faith and encouragement that would build up in your heart that would help you navigate these seasons of waiting until you enter into your promise. Where is God in the waiting? If you have your Bibles, would you go with me to the book of John chapter 11? Everyone say, John. John. Say, John like an Australian. John. John. Say, John like an American. John. John. Say, John in Chinese. John. I taught you languages. John chapter 11. Verse 1. And this is a long passage, but I've heard Brother Tim many a time give warning of a long passage, but follow it with no apology. You're going to deal with it. (laughs) Verse 1, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. I've got no question about how much you love us. A blood-stained cross proved once and for all how you feel about us. We just want to let you know that we're waiting for you now to show up. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. (laughs) Hey, we're getting word to you. That kind of first century text message. All in caps, your friend is sick. We know you've done cool stuff for sick people before, so now here would be a good opportunity for you to step in and to do your thing. And Jesus leaves them on red. Yes. Yes, he does. Come on. Is there a, 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 a feeling more, more gut-wrenching? As seeing your text that you sent now read. And you don't go, there's a little kind of little ellipsis that comes, beep, 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 I'm just about to reply. No, no, you're left on read for two days. And so when he heard, he, he, he leaves them on read for two days, and then he, then he says to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. 
But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there were trying to stone you, and yet you're trying to go back. Jesus answered, aren't there 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they will see the world's light. It is the person who walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And, and after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. Let us go to him. This is a beautiful interaction showing us how God operates in a very different clock than any of us here in this room. If you walk away with nothing else, walk away with this. I hope and pray you get it. That when it comes to waiting, when it comes to God's timing, he runs on a very different clock. If you've been to the Caribbean islands, there's something called island time. And it's real. It is so real. I remember doing a conference one time in the Caribbean. And the night session was meant to start at 8 p.m. As a conscientious speaker, I got there half an hour before the beginning of the event. There wasn't a a, a car in the parking lot. I thought I went to the wrong event. I got my dates wrong. I get there. I wait till the start time. And then a sound guy walks in. (laughs) Eating plantains. What's going on? Huh? Three hours later, we're kicking off the night. Island time is a real thing. God time is a real thing. The friends are going, hey, we got the text. Let's roll. Jesus leaves it on red. What? Now Jesus is going, hey, let's roll. And the disciples are going, but he's asleep now. Let him rest. What? Island time is real. Mm. God time is real. So let's roll. Verse 15, verse 16. Then Thomas said to the rest of his disciples, all right, let us also go that we may die with him. Just really quick point, it's got nothing to do with the sermon. But can you see what Thomas just declared? All right, we're gonna roll into some dangerous territory. People will be angry at us, but you know what? Let's just roll and die with Jesus. Why is Thomas forever known as Doubting Thomas? Right. One time. Right. He asked a question that you would have asked as well. And forevermore, he is like a cultural reference, doubting Thomas. I'm telling you, when I get to heaven, the first person I'm going to go hug is Jesus. Second person I'm going to go find is Ehud, the guy who stabbed the dude. Like, I want to meet him because he's like a bad dude. Third guy I'm going to go find is Thomas and give him a hug. Go, I'm so sorry because you're that brave guy who said, you know what, let's die with Jesus, Not the doubting Thomas. He said, let's go die with Jesus. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So get this. So he had died. And it still took four days. So not only were Mary and Martha waiting for Jesus to show up to help the friend he loved, Lazarus. But now Jesus is also late for the funeral. In chapter 10, you'll see that the story ends off with Jesus hanging around the region where John the Baptist baptized. He baptized around the region called Bethany. 
Mary and Lazarus and Martha lived in Bethany, or in other words, it wasn't like he was on the other side of the country. He was most likely in the area. So it still took four days for Jesus to get there. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Can you feel the frustration? Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Read between the lines. For years, you've come to stay here. This is more than an Airbnb that you hang out in when you be visiting Jerusalem. We're friends of yours, and you come and stay at our house. There's only one living area in this house. I have sat here, and I've heard you talk about the stories of the eyes that you have opened, the mute tongues that you have loosened, the dead children that you have risen back to life again, and you have let us down. If you had shown up, my brother wouldn't have died, but I know that even now God will give you Whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they will die. You are on God time right now, my friends. And the God of this universe is the producer, the director, the writer, and the star of this movie. And the final credits will not roll until he says so, and they ain't rolling yet. And whoever believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had yet to enter the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had, uh, who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I'm frustrated with you as well. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked, come and see, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Then he had said this. Uh, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet <laughs> wrapped with streets, strips of linen, linen. 
and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take the grave clothes off and let him go. If you have a leather-bound journal and a pen right now, can you pull it out? I just want you to scribble down three faith declarations. To boom with your lips and your lives when you're in the waiting. If you have iPhones, iPods, iPads, you can pull them out. Thank the Lord Jesus for Steve Jobs as you do so. That's a wonderful piece of technology you have right there. If you have one of those Android or those Blackberry devices, you can put it away. I have nothing for you from this point on in the message. (laughs) I hate waiting on God. It's frustrating. Where are you in the waiting? What truth can I hold on to when it feels like my promise is a million miles away. Point number one, write this one down. Your story, come on, your story ends with God getting glory. It doesn't matter how far away your promise feels right now, your story ends with God getting glory. It doesn't matter how many months or years you've been waiting, I'm here to let you know your story ends with God getting glory. It doesn't matter how disqualified you feel or how unworthy you feel or how many times you feel like you've wrecked God's best for your life. I'm here to let you know your story ends with God getting glory. John chapter 11 and verse 4. Right at the beginning of the story, Jesus declares this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Can you just hold on to that in the waiting as you wrestle with the frustration that this story is going to end with God getting glory. So logically, if there isn't God getting glory, then my story isn't over yet. This story, come on, ends with God getting glory. We check out of the story way too quick. It might be the fruit of this social media age that we live in where there are so many videos and little tidbits put up this consistently and continually even to the point where now if you put up a really cool video you have to put a little caption with it wait till the end why because we all check out of the story way too quick stop checking out of God's story too quick don't check out of faith come on don't check out of hope come on don't check out of belief don't check on check out of trusting don't check out of the story wait till the end if God hasn't received absolute and total glory if all of heaven and all of creation aren't applauding this outcome that means the story isn't over yet your story will end with God getting glory you are not forgotten Your story ends with God getting glory. God isn't out of resource. No, your story ends with God getting glory. Don't check out of this story until you see God get 
the glory that he has promised. Point number two, write this one down. Where is God in the waiting while I'm feeling frustrated? He is present. God is present. John chapter 11, verse 35. In the middle of this beautiful scene painted by the apostle John, you see this interaction where a couple of frustrated friends go up to Jesus and they say, hey, I've seen you do stuff before, but obviously you didn't want to do it now, and, and we're good. I know that one day everything will basically shake out, and, and, and you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know you've got something bigger going on, but, but, we're, but we're angry right now. And Jesus says, hey, take me to the body, and they go to this grave. And there's a scene where Mary is by this grave with a bunch of her friends and they're all crying. And then the Bible says in verse 35 that Jesus would weep. Why did Jesus weep? He knew exactly what he was going to do. Have you ever wondered or pondered that question? Different theologians have throughout the course of history. They say, hey, you know what? Jesus wept because he's reflecting on the price of sin. Since the beginning of time, he was reflecting on the fall and how far fallen humanity was as he stood at a graveside. Other theologians say he wept because he was reflecting on the price that he would have to pay. He was thinking towards Calvary and the pain that he would have to endure, the carrying of your sin and my sin, your shame and my shame. Others say that Jesus wept because this was a prophetic picture of water that would flow out. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a premonition of the Holy Spirit being poured out. Can I suggest to you that I don't think any of those explanations truly sit or satisfy. I think Jesus wept because he was sad. And he was sad because Jesus was present. That while you're waiting, he's present. While you're frustrated, he's present. Jesus is like one of those sympathetic criers, you know what I'm saying? You hang out with somebody who like, can't help but cry if anyone cries around them. They start, you know, someone be start, start telling a story and then you see that person, they start welling up. They have no connection with the story. They don't know the individuals in the story. They came in and they were pretty happy. They're having a pretty good day. But they're hearing a sad story. Oh my, if you start crying, I'm going to start crying. Oh, here it goes. Wow. Jesus is a sympathetic cryer. Yeah. That's good. Wow. And he is so present in your waiting. He's so present that the book of Hebrews chapter 4 will remind us that he's not a great high priest that is unable to empathize with our weaknesses and our waiting, basically. 
but he is able to engage. And I want you to get that really, really clearly deep into your spirit. Again, if you walk out of here with nothing else, I hope and pray that you walk away with this, that in your waiting, he is most present. Psalms tells us that he is close to the brokenhearted in your waiting, in your frustration. He is attracted specifically to you. Waiting to be asked out. He's waiting with you. Waiting for provision. He's waiting with you. Waiting in a doctor's office. He's waiting with you. Waiting in a living room full of worry. He is waiting with you. Waiting in a bedroom full of division. He is waiting with you. He is present in the waiting. And the third thing I want you to get deep into your spirit and then what we're going to do in our last few moments together is that we are going to spend time believing that God can take these faith declarations, come on, and make them your reality as you walk out of this place today and for many seasons to come, not if, when you find yourself, come on, in a season of waiting and frustration, that this would be the instinctive turn to point. That's good. Your story only ends with God getting glory. Number two, he is present. Number three, God gets the last word in your story. But Dan, it feels like it's been years and I'm still here in this waiting room. It feels like maybe they've lost my number there in heaven. I kind of took it and now like, you know, maybe you know, an angel bumped a table and something slipped down somewhere and I've been forgotten about, you know what I'm saying? I got one of those phone, I, I called up for like kind of service and they said, you know what, the wait time is like 50 minutes, but we can take your number and you will not lose your position in the line. But someone be losing, you know, my position in the line. It's been a long time and, and it feels like this story is playing out in a way that I thought that it wasn't going to. I'm here to let you know that God gets the last word on your story. Come on, cancer does not get the last word. Come on, COVID doesn't get the last word. Come on, bankruptcy doesn't get the last word. Come on, lack doesn't get the last word. Come on, betrayal doesn't get the last word. Come on, heartbreak doesn't get the last word. God gets the last word on your story. Because he rolls up to the tomb. Sealed in there four days. Decomposition has now set in. Frustration has now turned into a funk that is inside that tomb. All hope seemed lost. All light was gone. And then Jesus speaks. Yo, Lazarus, come out. 
And death had to bow. Because God gets the last word. I'm an argumentative person. My specialty is arguing about topics I have very little understanding about. I see it as an, a, an, a special challenge. I like it. <laughs> Cryptocurrency. Well, let's argue about that. No idea. And in my arguing, you know the kinds of people that I hate most in an argument are the ones who want to end the argument. They feel like they have the intellectual or moral superior ground to make a statement like, well, at the end of the day, right. you don't get to end the day. <laughs> well, when all is said and done, no, 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 there's still a lot to be said and done. And done. I get so annoyed when you present yourself as someone who has the right to put an end to this conversation because no one bears that right except for God alone. And he will get, come on, the final say. So with Jesus' keyboards playing in the background, making us all feel receptive and responsive. Have you ever noticed that? That when the keyboards start playing, you just, you know, Jesus shows up in a different way. You know what I'm saying? Like Jesus is here all the time and like, you know, Pentecost Sunday celebrates all of that. But you know what I'm saying? That like Jesus just shows up in a different manner. When there's like a nice, cool, like kind of minor chord being played in the background. You know what I'm saying? You got a little bit of sustain pedal there. It's like kind of woof. He's not here yet. Wait. Always coming close. More, 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 more. Come on, James. Not yet. Oh, okay. And can I stop? See, he's gone. <laughs> Bring him back. Not messing around. I love this church so much because it doesn't play games. It does real life with real people who are just trying to work it out yep. what it looks like to do life with a real God. Yes. And there are times in life where you kind of feel like this God who you trust to be loving, who you know to be good, but still leaves you waiting. And that waiting is frustrating. But here I am as a friend trying to knit faith with you and to sit in a waiting room 
to say that if you're feeling frustration right now, come on, you can make three simple faith declarations. Can someone say a good amen to that? This story only ends with God getting glory. Come on. (laughs) If there's no glory, that means there's more to this story. (laughs) And he's present. He empathizes. In the waiting room, in the doctor's office, in the quiet of your bedroom, in the anger and frustration in your drive to work, He is present. And He'll get the last word. Because He's the resurrection and the life, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end and every good thing in between. He will get the last word. I want to wrap up our time together doing two simple things. Number one, I would love to give an opportunity to someone here in this room who doesn't have a relationship with God. Over the last 31 minutes, you've been like just asking this question. Wow, how did this guy learn how to speak such incredible English and how did his arms get so big? I know you've been wondering these things. But in amongst those ponderings, you've been thinking to yourself, I don't even know I have a relationship with God at all. I think I'm frustrated at someone I don't even know. And I'm here to let you know that Christianity isn't about rules or regulations. It's not about jumping through religious hoops or clearing legalistic bars. It's about recognizing that God loves you and comes to find you exactly where you are. And if you would open up your heart to Him, He will rush in and change your life from the inside out by the power of His Holy Spirit, giving you eternal security that you'll be with Him in heaven one day. But every single day until that day, He's going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit to bring heaven down to earth in your everyday experience. That's Christianity. So if you're here this morning and you're going, Dan, I just don't have the God of this universe living in my heart. I would love to lead you in a prayer that heaven will hear and will change absolutely everything. Is that cool? That's great. So with every eye closed and every heart open, if that's you here this morning and you're saying, Dan, I want a relationship with God. In fact, I've been a little bit frustrated at Him because I don't really know Him. And I want to know His love and I want to know His grace. I want to feel Him close. If that's you, when I count to three, let me lead you in a prayer that heaven will hear and will change everything. Come on, if you're here this morning, you feel like God's been talking to you in the strangest way. 
and your heart is racing and the sweat is pouring right now, your palms are sticky and you're kind of wondering to yourself, is this what it feels like when God tries to get through to you? My friend, I'm here to let you know, yes, 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 a million times yes, that's exactly what it feels like. He's trying to make His way into your life. All you need to do is open up to Him. So when I count to three, if you want to make King Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, I want you to lift your hand where you are. Are you ready? One, two, three. Just lift your hand where you are. I see your hand. 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 I see your hands over there. I see your hand over there as well. Wow. I see your hand as well. Wow. Okay, let's pray this prayer out loud all together, especially if you lifted your hand. Here we go. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. All of it. The beautiful bits and the broken bits. Fill me with your spirit. Help me now to live for your glory. Amen. Come on, can you put your hands together for all the people who lifted theirs? Wow. Wow. I count like, like eight or nine hands and at the end of this gathering, I'm going to be hanging around. And if you lift your hand, I would love to give you a hug or a high five. Like I've had COVID, I'm full of antibodies and I'm vaccinated. You know what I'm saying? I could take my shirt off and hug you and you'd be good. But I would love, love, love to connect with you. For the rest of us who are feeling some frustration right now with God. Come on, with every eye open and every head raised and everyone looking around. That's kind of like the, that's like the anti-altar call, but you know what? <laughs> Waiting is so much easier when you find yourself a family to wait with. Yes. And that's the reason I'm not trying to like throw shade or, or point fingers, but I want to give your faith family come on, an opportunity to knit faith with you in the waiting. Amen? And I'm going to believe for a breakthrough. I'm going to believe for a provision. I'm going to believe for God to do what only He can do. But in the meantime, I'm going to pray with your family that you would experience Him. Speak loudly and clearly deep into your soul that your story only ends with Him getting glory. Come on, He is right here, right now, present in the waiting room with you, and He gets the last word. Amen? Come on, on this situation. So with every eye open, and every head raised, and everyone looking around in a loving manner, if you know that you're wrestling with some frustration right now, would you put your hands up high in the sky? Wow. The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. Yes, yes, He does. There is nothing as humbling as being in a room with every eye open and your hands shoved up high in the sky. Am I right? Yes. Is there anyone here in this room who's experienced God as a great promise maker but also a grand promise keeper? Come on. Can you just believe that He's going to add grace to your situation right now? He's going to add grace to your waiting right now. Come on, he's going to add grace to your story right now that's going to help you come through a season of frustration. Lord Jesus, I pray for my friends right now and I thank you, God, for them. I thank you for the humility that this church is marked by and I thank you for the humility that's being shown by so many people right now who are finding themselves waiting on God 
And we confess to you that we get a little frustrated every now and then because we don't understand your timing. We don't get it at all. We don't understand it at all. We don't, but help us by your spirit. Trust in you, especially when we don't understand. And in the name of Jesus, I boom faith declarations into their heads and their hearts as they sit in the waiting. Lord God, their story right now is going to end with you getting maximum glory. You are right here right now with us in the waiting room. And we thank you, God, that you get the final say. And you have good to speak over us in Jesus' name. And everyone who was glad that he's there in the waiting said, come on, amen. Just praise him here. Thank you for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel youtube.com forward slash embassy city church follow us on instagram and facebook at embassy irving if you would like to support more of what we're doing you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassy city all one word to 77977 we pray you had a great week thanks for listening today